and it's good to be back with you. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. We survived our very first snowstorm. I think we ought to give ourselves a hand. Some of you know that uh, we live at uh, the farmhouse in Olney that the church owns, and it's a beautiful piece of property, but it's a big piece of property. And it's a big piece of property with a really, 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 really long driveway. And because it's an open property, we got 16 inches. Now, I know the weather said we were only going to get three or four. We got 16 inches in Olney. And did I mention we have this really, really long driveway? So, imagine how we spent some of our time on last week. And I'm sure you spent your time in a myriad of ways as well. But I'm grateful that we made it unscathed for the most part. My shoulder's still a little sore from shoveling, but that's okay. I'm also grateful that my local grocery store is finally able to restock all of the bread, milk, eggs, paper products, and snacks in those various aisles. Because as you know, the Washington DC area knows how to plan for a storm. So what'd you do? How'd you spend your time? Did you take your extra time last week and sleep in, that's always fun. Or maybe you finally got a chance to watch the news programs that I hear they play on a Sunday morning. I don't get to see them, but from what I understand, they have uh, news shows on Sunday morning. Or maybe you just sat quietly with a hot beverage and watched the snowfall. That was a beautiful thing to do. Or maybe you got to cook a big old country breakfast for you and for your family. I know my kids just spent the day scrolling through their social media feeds and playing games online while mommy was outside and uh, making up time at work. Was it laundry day for you last week? Did you finally get some loads of laundry knocked out during the storm? Or maybe you just simply settled in to watch the pre, 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 pre-game show. Maybe you're an active person. You don't like just sitting around because you feel like nothing to do is a waste of time. Did you bundle up and go outside? Start shoveling snow to get ahead of it? Or maybe you dragged the kids out and bundled them up to play with them? extra time. How do you spend it? You know, it's funny. A single day holds a lot of time. It holds 24 hours. And that's a long period when you stop and think about it. Another way that you could look at the average day is that it consists of a staggering 1,440 minutes. Now, of course, we have a lot of math and engineers here, so for you, I calculated it out. That equates to 86,400 seconds, in case you want to count it that way. 
We have a lot of time. How do you spend the time that is allotted to you? I know you have to sleep and eat. A lot of us spend several hours a day at work or at school, if that's still your situation. But even after those large chunks of time are spent, that still leaves you with a lot of free time on your hands. If you have children, I know they certainly take up a lot of time. And of course, there's always hobbies and activities that you can invest yourself in. And we all need time to take care of ourselves. I mean, you know, this hair doesn't happen just overnight. This, this is a process, okay? All these things require time. Time is universal. If you woke up this morning, you still have some. And because God is gracious to us, we all get the same amount. Can't buy more, and you won't get any less. And better still, we are even given the freedom to do pretty much what we want with our allotment. So you would think as Christians that we'd be pretty good about managing our time because we should be the first to recognize that our time really is not ours. We should think about time in the same way that we should think about our possessions, our money. They're all alone from God. They don't belong to us. And so is our time. Time management is important because God calls us to be good stewards of all that he's entrusted to us. But we seem to have a rather distorted view when it comes to time. We always seem to live at the two opposite ends of the time spectrum, if you will. We're either one complaining about not having enough time to do all of the things that we need and want to do, or we complain that we have too much time on our hands. Neither extreme is how we want to live for very long, and neither extreme is a good example of stewardship of what God has given to us. So I want to take a few minutes this morning to look at how we manage time. I'm going to help think through what I'm going to call this morning time killers. And I'm sure you're going to recognize these things because we're all guilty of them at one time or another. The first time killer that we're going to think through is procrastination. And the second one is busyness. So... Let's start with procrastination. Now, I'll be the first to admit that I can be a procrastinator, but I'm sure I'm the only one here. You are productive people, and you don't do that. But procrastination can be a downfall for me. But when we think about it, and I will just put it bluntly, I'll put it very simply, procrastination is prideful. And I wonder if you've ever thought about it in that way. Procrastination assumes you know the future, but you don't. We don't know how our health is going to be. We don't know when we're going to get busy. We don't know when our lives are going to come to an end. Time is fleeting. And when we realize and recognize that our time is short, it should help us bring clarity to our daily priorities 
and it should make us diligent in handling those priorities. But, as I said, procrastination, procrastination is something that I deal with from time to time, and maybe you do too. And let's face it, there's certain tasks that are just unmotivating, and they're really hard to get yourself started to do. Cleaning out your closet. How many people here love cleaning out their closets? Or cleaning out the garage? Those are things that are mundane. Those are things that are hard to get yourself motivated to do. And usually we think that, well, it's no big deal if I don't get to that right now. But the thing about it is, you know how you'll have that nagging thought in the back of your mind until we do do them. Sometimes we procrastinate about things that are a little more important, such as going to the doctor for a checkup, or doing our taxes, or writing out a will, or changing the oil in the car, <laughs> paying bills, <laughs> or maybe starting that diet or exercise program. Ouch. Stepping on my own toes up here. When we procrastinate on those type of things, it can be pretty costly. It can be costly to our health and our wallet, or both. And then there are times where we procrastinate when it comes to the really, really important matters of life, such as reading our Bibles, or spending time in prayer, or giving up that habit. God, you know, I know I'm not supposed to do this. This is the last time. And then, you know, next week I'm going to stop doing this. Or maybe we procrastinate about spending time with loved ones and our friends. Perhaps we procrastinate about talking about our faith to them. Perhaps we even procrastinate about our own walk with Christ and accepting him and his will for our life being baptized. Family, procrastinating on spiritual matters can be dangerous. They can have serious effects, not only with our relationship with God, but with each other. And it can also have eternal consequences. So the question is, and we all know these things, I'm not saying anything that we don't already know, but I guess the question is, why do we procrastinate? Well, I think we can look at the Bible for a few reasons as to why we do. I'll go through them rather quickly. I guess one reason that we procrastinate is because we're indecisive. James 1, 6 through 8 says, Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded or indecisive, unstable in all his ways. Another reason perhaps that we procrastinate is 
because we're perfectionist, or we'd like to think ourselves as perfectionists. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. What do you think that means? He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Hmm. Well, I suppose that means that uh, if you wait around for perfect conditions, nothing will ever get done. You just keep putting it off. Fear could be another reason why we procrastinate. Proverbs 29:25 says, "The fear." of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Have you ever dilly-dallied around before making that dental appointment because you're afraid of the dentist? Or perhaps uh, you're postponing your physical exam because you're afraid of what the doctor might tell you. If you will carefully carefully examine the things that you most often put off, chances are it's because of fear. Another way that uh, we can procrastinate is to get back at people that we're angry with. Anger can cause you to procrastinate. It's a way of taking control. When kids procrastinate on cleaning up their room, quite often they're acting in anger toward a parent. It's their way of keeping uh, control away from their parent. It's quite common for an elderly person to do that to an adult son or daughter who keeps putting pressure on them to do things. It's a way of controlling. The last reason that we'll talk about today, why people procrastinate, may be just out of laziness. Proverbs 13.4, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. Some people become chronic procrastinators simply because they just don't want to do more than they absolutely have to do. They're content with the status quo. They are perfectly happy with mediocrity. When we procrastinate, when I say to myself over and over again, you know what, I'll do that later. I'm assuming that I'll have a later, right? I'm assuming that I will have time to do that at some other time, and that is just knowledge that I don't really have. It's like what James says in James chapter 2 when he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow brings. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. It's a very proudful, prideful heart that says with certainty, today or tomorrow you will do this or that. 
And so then, when we start thinking about procrastination, if we have a task that needs to be done, you know what to say? Oh, well, you usually say, I'm just going to do that later. <laughs> Assuming that I have God's sovereign knowledge of all things, and I'm definitely going to be able to get back to do that. But family, this is not good stewardship of our time. What you're actually trying to do is borrow against the time that you have. Good stewardship requires that we think carefully about the way we're spending our time. Maybe we wouldn't be so proud in assuming that this time right now that we have belongs to us when it really belongs to God. Or assuming that we get to have more time, the only minute that we really know for sure, for sure, that we have is the one that we're in right now. Maybe that should change how we think and how we approach things. The second time killer I want to talk to you about is busyness. You know, that ought to be the flag of the DMV, of the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia area. That should be a banner, or at least a small tattoo that we all wear. If I only had more time, we are so busy and we are so overwhelmed by the lengthy and never-ending to-do lists that we make for ourselves. Problem is, some of us actually think that time management is about cramming more stuff into an already overloaded schedule. But that's not good or effective time management. Good time management is all about finding the right balance in the different areas of your life. Our time is finite. We've been given a certain amount for a lifetime. And it's not up to us to know exactly how much time that is, but we are commanded to manage whatever it is well. You know, busyness is kind of like a status symbol. We fall into the trap of overscheduling and overdoing and overcommitting our time and our resources. Like I said, it almost becomes a mantra. I don't have enough time. I've said it countless times over the years, and I've thought it more times than I've said it. But until recently, I never really stopped and considered that thinking and speaking this way is a poor reflection on God. Now, what I mean by that is this. I was reading a paper by a noted Oxford professor and Bible teacher. His name is Bruce Hindmarsh. And he wrote an article regarding the Sabbath. Now, you know uh, that God commanded his people, us, to regularly take one day out of the week as a day of rest and worship. 
Now, he did not initiate this or command this for his sake. He commanded it for ours because we are finite beings. We need to rest, and we also need to always remember who the author and finisher of our life is. So, Dr. Hen Marsh was writing this article that I was reading about the biblical principles of the Sabbath. And frankly, as I read the article, it made me go, what? What is he talking about? I don't know if I believe that. That article really challenged me. It reads as follows. Stay with me. Busyness is moral laziness because it is often a statement of our self-importance and our excuse to be inattentive to people. But God has given us just enough time to do what we need to do moment by moment to respond to him, and his grace is there. It is eternally present. Every moment is a sacrament where time touches eternity and there is exactly enough time to do what God has called us to do. Okay, I read this paragraph many, many times. And th that wasn't even the main point of the article that he was writing. But when I tell you my brain slammed in front of the front of my head when I read the sentence, busyness is moral laziness. God has given us just enough time. Every moment is a sacrament. Or said another way that every moment has been ordained by God as a sign or a symbol of a spiritual reality. Wow. These are massively important truths that I think we need to soak in. We all know busyness. Everyone is busy. Everybody complains about being busy. Busy, 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 busy is a buzzword. And most of us have even grown fairly comfortable at living at a level of busyness. But to call busyness meaning a frantic and distracted lifestyle, moral laziness, suddenly makes me uncomfortable. Because it means that busyness is not something that merely happens, it's something we've chosen. You, as objects begin to rise in your mind, and objections begin to rise in your mind. It may be helpful to remember what Jesus said about busyness. It's in a little story in Luke. And he was speaking to a woman named Martha. Do you remember Martha? The Lord said to her in Luke chapter 10, verse 42, Martha, Martha. You are worried and distracted by many things. But there's only need of one thing. And Mary 
has chosen the better part. In other words, Martha, you've chosen something else. Why do we choose busyness? It's exhausting. All too often, I think we choose busyness because we make it a statement of our own self-importance. We often use busyness as a way of telling ourselves and maybe more importantly, others, how essential we are. Maybe our busyness is a way of posturing. It's our badge, it's our significance. I know I've been guilty of that. But a more serious issue, I think, is that we choose busyness as a way to avoid having to make harder and sometimes more costly choices. Busyness can be an escape. It provides a convenient way to opt out of wrestling through ambiguity to make difficult, complex decisions that we are responsible for. It is much easier to be the victim of circumstances than to be responsible for a mistake. And an overflowing schedule can become a shield protecting us from the unpredictable, inconvenient, time-consuming needs of other people. It's an effective cover. I mean, who can argue with you if you're busy? You have other things to do. Well, nobody but maybe your family, because you're not spending time with them. Or maybe Jesus might have something to say. Again, in Luke chapter 14, 15 through 24, there's a story where one of the dinner guests, upon hearing this, said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many people. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five, five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've just been married and therefore cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, sir, what you have ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be full. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. Now, keep this in context. Of course, there are times where we are legitimately too busy. And we just can't take one another need. Again, we're finite beings. 
If you remember our brother Moses, his father-in-law had to come to him and remind him that he could not do it all. And he had to learn how to delegate responsibilities. If that's your issue, maybe you should go to Exodus 18. But that's, but that family is what makes busyness a moral and faith issue. Stewarding time well is hard work. They're helpful tools that you can use, but there are no formulas. Each person, each calling is unique. Faithful stewarding of your time requires prayerful discernment and the humility of receiving and seeking wise counsel so that we can be faithful managers. I need and you need to break the very bad habit of saying, I don't have enough time. When I say this, I'm not only blaming my own moral laziness on my circumstances, I'm actually blaming God. I'm essentially saying that God is either insufficient or he's stingy. Professor Heinmarsh was right when he said that God has given us just enough time to do what needs to be done because his grace is there and it's eternally present. Every moment is a sacrament where time touches eternity and there is exactly enough time to do what God has called us to do. What a beautiful and fearful statement. It's beautiful in that every moment belongs to God and he gives us each moment as a gift, as a holy gift. And he gives us enough moments to provide for our callings, whatever they are. It's fearful in the fact that we are stewards of these gifts and we're going to be held accountable in terms of how we invested it. Fear and trembling is what we're supposed to feel when we handle holy things and our time is holy. Yet in our trembling, we also have to remember that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And if we come to him humbly through Christ, confessing our sins and asking for help, all sinful stewardship is forgiven. And he'll give us everything we need to steward the time he's entrusted. So let's lay aside the weighty sin of moral, lazy busyness and resolve to stop using that as a badge of self-importance or as an excuse to avoid what we don't want to do. Let us stop dishonoring God by saying we don't have enough time. God may, and he frequently does, fill our time plates pretty full. But that simply means that we may 
have to refrain from doing some of the things that we're currently doing because we have not been asked to do them. We have to remain faithful to our calling because God always, always, always gives us enough time to do what he calls us to do. So, let us remember that this moment and every moment is a sacred gift from God. God's grace is sufficient here, right now, where time touches eternity. And as we prayerfully trust him, he will give us just enough time to do what we need, moment by moment, to respond to him. Let's pray. Father, when the disciples asked Jesus, what's really important? What is the thing that you require? What is your command? What is the most important commandment? Jesus responded by saying, to love you, Father, with all of our hearts and with all of our minds and with all of our souls and with all of our strength. And then he said that we are to love others just the way we love ourselves. So, Father, help us to live effectively and efficiently. And forgive us when we procrastinate or when we use busyness as a tool to be disobedient to the things that you have called us to do. Father, break our hearts so that we can love you and love people. Thank you, Father. And we say this in your son's precious name.